0: We get a lot of skunks out here, and they're the kinds that run, that like to. Uh, one of their favorite pastimes is running in the middle of the highway. Oh, jeez, yeah. And so, I mean, every other day there's a new dead skunk in the middle of the freeway, and it's like, come on, guys, get with the get with the program.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Use the sidewalk on the overpass. Come on. <laughs>
1: That's why we put it there. That's you why guys. we put it there it's for you. It's
2: it's Monday, April 25th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 43 of All the Die. Mission. Mission? <laughs> we want a war.
0: in this sort of scenario this desert area where i am it's pretty rough uh, uh on the banks of the the freeways you know it's it's like a it's like a beautiful animal morgue Mo- <laughs> mostly
2: mostly coyotes <clears throat> oh uh, man yeah it's really it's really sad that that's, um, that's an interesting thought though um you know in uh, in millions of years after humans are logged on and whichever species is now uh you know putting out archaeologists and that they would find these kind of tr- <laughs> these parallel trails of bones
1: you know that they would recover you know, winding their way <laughs> right. across the countryside yeah <laughs> and they absolutely have no idea what it means what like, is they this? call These roads of slaughter. We're not sure what their purpose is. <laughs> they
0: call them the roads of slaughter. We assume these yeah. humans sacrifice to coyote every 10 paces <laughs>
1: for, to <laughs> the
0: god of the golden arches, which yeah. <laughs> appears every 20 miles. Oh, man. <clears throat> oh, jeez. Poor archaeologist. Okay, so I actually have a banter topic I was thinking about earlier today. And right, it might sure. be a little too late to introduce a new banter topic, but hey, you know, I, I'm doing it anyway. Why not? Um, the uh, I was thinking about this while I was outside listening to Common Sense after uh, by Dan Carlin <clears throat> after my <throat> workout, and I was just hanging out. I like to just walk outside. And I was thinking, if I... You know, I had a tough time in high school. Um, I mostly... You know, mostly because I didn't know what the hell I was doing with my life. Like, I did not... Understand why studying was important or why doing your homework was important or yeah. uh, why fitness was important. And I was thinking, if I could either A, go back in time to my freshman year of high school and start living my entire life over again from that point, knowing what I know in my head, like I get to keep all my mm. stuff inside of my brain, or B, just stay where i am and keep going in this you know direction which would i choose and i i had a a difficult time deciding so which would you guys which would you choose would you choose to go back and relive uh risking the changes that would obviously happen in your existence Mm -hmm. today or would you not
2: well it's it see the problem is once, once you have once you have uh you know, wife and kids, it's it's uh, a very different situation because, yeah. you know, there's there's no guarantee you're going to that, – that's going to happen again, you know. yeah. So, so if you're prepared, so to if you're it, prepared so, for so, that. <laughs>
0: yeah. So to make it easier, since we all have spouses, you know, uh, only one of us has kids, but we all are married, we'll, let's remove the, well, I would stay because of my mm-hmm. wife as a factor. Let's pretend that we'd still be able to meet the same spouse yeah. and have the same kids uh even if we went back, would you go back and relive all that time? Oh, hell yeah. Me too, <laughs>
1: Matt. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. There's, there's just a, I, I wouldn't want to have to go through all of the shit to get to the good stuff. Because yeah. If we're talking going back to junior year of high school, I'm just like, Oh God, no, I don't want to work all those jobs again and deal with all those people. And, go through those breakups and then get back to where I am today. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty content where I am right now. So I'm thinking I'm going to stay the course here.
0: Yeah. Well, and you could, <laughs> I just keep pushing this thing deeper. <laughs> You'll meet the same spouse. Like you'd meet Tila again, no, Matt, but, know, know, but, but, but you could be a Harvard lawyer if whatever.
1: you want No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Okay. Okay. Because I, I would, I would have, the same amount of ambition in high school and college, I guarantee you, because I would like, I'd go back in time and be like, I'm going to do it different this time. And then I get into college, I'd be like, oh, I'm just not going to go to class today. <laughs> I just don't feel like it. It's like, this is your second time. You get a second chance. You're literally a time traveler and you're not going to class. I just don't feel like it today.
0: <laughs> I think that's probably I think that's probably the case that I might be giving myself too much credit thinking I'm going to go back in time and make things different. When in reality, I'm going to get there and be like, oh, shit, I chose the, the blue pill. Damn. it." Yeah, like, yeah exactly.
1: No, no. Because the thing is, is, like I I know myself. I know myself really well and I know that I am a total load and I know that I was even more of a load <laughs> 10 years ago. And so I'm not I'm not going to do that.
2: Yeah, but see, you're missing... Your, like, We're going
1: back junior year. I guess that would be 11 or 12 years ago. Still, a, de- a decade or more. I, I was a total load, so I'm not doing this.
0: That. Is This is where you post that GIF of Matt Damon turning into old Matt Damon from
2: Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but see, you're missing the big Almost picture, though. I think All you need to do is memorize a couple key stocks from that time period. Oh, oh. See, Alex
1: yeah. is the smart
2: one. He's like, "Oh,
0: dude, Dang I'm dude, gonna make you're bank." Doing easy. The, you're
1: doing the Biff and going and going with the almanac, <laughs> betting on the sporting that, events. That's, you know he what? Got that's actually, he got greedy. That's got That's a good point, Alex. I think, I think I might, based on that, because then I could like, knowing what I know, I could set Teal and I up like that's really right. well financially. So yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I would.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think like, it's set. We do it Teal just and for I the would money.
1: Teal and I would get married and then I'd be like okay, I have something to tell you this is the second time we've been married I went back in time 10 years ago with the knowledge of what to invest my money in and we're billionaires and she'd be like what I'd just be like here's the we never have to work again we can go build a hobbit hole wherever we want and just live in it it's gonna be perfect Hell yeah! so yeah I would. I would you've convinced okay. me Alex you've convinced me I've come to the other side You've swayed me you swayed me in the time travel debate <laughs> Hey man, that money though yeah, exactly. hey dollar dollar bill y'all uh, you know plays gotta get paid and if I gotta go back in time to get to get some money, I'm gonna do it
0: <laughs> Oh man uh you want to hit that segue,
2: Alex? uh sure yeah um so going back in time you could actually say stop a war. From happening. Oh, <laughs> <coughs> oh yes, Spoof. everybody. Welcome to Roll Up
0: and Die, your uh, time-traveling RPG podcast. My name is
1: Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog.
0: And there's some interesting points about today's topic, because initially we decided to do a uh, podcast about mass combat in RPGs, which is probably my favorite thing about gaming, tabletop RPGs, favorite subject. But a lot of the questions on our Facebook page, uh, which we answer at the end of every episode, uh, we answer one of them, uh, The are, are related to war in general hmm. instead of mass combat in RPGs. So maybe war as kind of a plot point. And so it occurred to me that Maybe we should talk about both of these things if you guys want, and sure. then decide if we want to do a part two. Yeah,
1: sure. That uh, sounds uh, good to me. Yeah, that so i fine.
0: i got a sheet I got a sheet of paper in front of me, and I'm going to be taking notes this entire time on stuff that we, uh, you know, I might want to throw in as a topic. Mm-hmm. And if we have a bunch left over at the end, we'll do a, a second parter of this episode. Um, but what ex- w- what experiences do you guys have with mass combat? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Do you use it a lot, a little, never? Um, Have you ever had a really fun experience with it or a really bad experience? Uh, What do you guys think?
1: So for me, like, mass combat is something that I I always shied away from because I was terrified of it, and I always thought of it as, like, you know, running it and having to worry about all of those numbers and all of those rules, and how would you even begin to do that? And, you know, and then it just occurred to me like why would you why would i run it any different from any other combat like a a, a battle is essentially a series of encounters right and so thinking about it as like okay they're fighting you know the hill giant and then they're gonna go up on the ramparts and they're gonna you know fight the the wyverns that just flew in and you know whatever and just thinking of it as like a as a series of battles rather than one gigantic war and you know you know if you're on the right flank of a battle defending yourself you're not thinking about what's happening on the other side of the battlefield yeah. you know you, that's like you the last thing on your mind you're thinking about how do i get out of this alive how do i you know how do i protect myself and my and my brothers in arms here so for me it's all it's been all about simplifying it
2: mm. yeah. yeah cool <clears throat> yeah i'm a big fan of simplicity i i never i never i was never really a big fan of of any kind of mass combat, where where you know, they made it more like a war game, you know that that right. can be fun. But if I'm if I'm playing yeah. if I'm playing in D and D or something like that, then I don't I don't want to get into that necessarily. So the way I generally set it up is I think of um, a battlefield as more of a um, more of an environment or weather, you know. I don't I, I, so I don't think of it in terms of you know different groups doing different things. So what I do is I sort of plan out the battle. As if the as if the, the the player characters aren't there you know what is going to happen with all these NPCs what are the, you know this this uh, battalions gonna come in from the north you know this one's coming in from, you know here and 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 you, and you kind of sort out how the battle is gonna go if no one intervenes okay yeah <clears throat> and then I kind of set up a flow chart you know kind of like those charts where um, You know uh did you take the cat out today yes you know and then you pick one and it leads you to another set of questions you know that kind of thing so i i i I create a flow chart like that for you know for the battle and then you can plug in the players you know the player characters where they where you know where they come into it and say okay well if they if they get involved here that's the effect. This is that's kind of the effect this is going to have. If they get involved over here, they it can have this effect. If they get involved here, it's going to you know that kind of thing. So, I, that that's how I come. That's how I kind of come about it, rather than you know worrying about you know rolling for eighteen hundred soldiers. You know,
0: that's a really cool idea. And and you know we actually at Absolute Tabletop we came out with a supplement. Uh, the first supplement we released was Be a Better Battle Master, mm. which is all about mass combat. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do something uh, without Tim and James here, Matt. I'm going to say, since I'm going to be talking about a lot of the tips and tricks in that book in this episode. Sweet. So I'm going uh, to say here that if you go to absolutetabletop.com and get Battlemaster and you type in the coupon code R-U-A-D, uh, all caps, then uh, you'll get it for a dollar instead of the normal price. Just because we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, but that's exactly one of the things that I talked about in the book. Alex is mm-hmm. that you know the flow chart flow chart method because so yeah. often uh, the a battle can either swing far to one direction and become like Matt you said a tabletop war game you know mm-hmm. where you have you're controlling pieces on the table uh, or so far in the other direction where like you mentioned Alex where you're just slogging through hundreds of die rolls to try to you know kill all 50 of these orcs when the balance in the middle is kind of deciding on those key points in the battle uh whether or not the battering ram at the the gates has been stopped Mm. uh whether or not the fire at the food stores has been put out during a siege you know whether or not the uh the cavalry has arrived on time like all these pivotal things and then what you can do is you know figure out what these pivotal things are and then say okay that's this one thing, one smaller aspect of this larger battle yeah. that these characters need to make happen or stop from happening. Yep. You know, you need to stop the battering ram from uh <clears throat> arriving. You need to light the beacons in order yep. to get the cavalry on our side, you know, like these smaller mini missions that are set with the background environment of a larger
2: battle. Well, yeah, if you look at like the battle of the Pelennor Fields in uh uh, the Lord of the Rings movie, uh, mm-hmm. it uh, and, and look at how they focus on the different uh, main characters. You know how the, how they jump around to different scenes that they're that they're involved in, whether it's you know Legolas taking down the the Oliphant or um, uh, Eowyn fighting the Witch King, and um, you know they're the, they're they're all doing these different things that are important and can change the course of the war. You know the, the can yeah. change the course of the siege that's going on. You know, if, by taking down the Witch King, that's that's huge. You know, he's the one... Because yeah. he's, he, he's the general. He's controlling everything. So once you take him down, that's a, that's a huge blow. You know, if you're able to, like you said, stop the battering from reaching the gate, that's huge. Um, other than that... Uh, the, the, yeah. Leading the army of the dead, you know. It's almost like right. every
0: single one of the uh, important things that happens during that battle, if that thing wouldn't have happened, then the battle would have been lost or right. something.
2: Right, right. And, and so, you know, you, you can... You can, but like you were saying, set up set up those sort of opportunities for the uh, the characters to get involved. Yeah. Uh, recently, we fought a battle
0: uh, in Matt's game, Matt's Provokers game. What what sort of prep did you throw into that uh, before the game, Matt? Uh,
1: the the Fulgrim battle, or the the one uh, from uh, the just the previous session, the one in Falhast.
0: You know, I I'd say both, but actually, the one in Fulgrim really rings a bell. Is more of a there's a lot going on type of situation you need yeah. to decide what you <laughs> what problems you solve
1: so with uh, with fulgram I used uh, the the method laid out in be a better battle master so I looked at a basically a flowchart of different events and different things that you guys could do and so essentially when you when you arrived at the battle you know I set the scene of you know okay you charge in with the centaurs and you slam into the into the the rear flank of the orcs and you know they initially, you know, you just you slam into them and start slaughtering, but soon enough they regain themselves and start, you know, pushing you back or whatever. And then, from that point, I said, okay, you see uh, Bat Riders throwing alchemist fire onto the town. You see awesome. Mastodons with siege weapons on their back. The mastopolts I call them. And then <laughs> you see uh, these Orc heavy infantry with bone weapons. And so I basically set up, like, here's three things that you guys can do at this point, and you guys ended up splitting up and, and tackling two of them, which was awesome. And from there, I, I kind of had a flowchart of like, okay, after this is done, they can go here and do this and this. And then it all, all of them led to the dragon fight. So it's like, no matter what you do, it's going to end with the dragon fight. Like the dragon's going to show up at the end and you guys are going to have to fight the dragon. But I like the idea of the flowchart. And I like the idea of, I, I didn't do a good job of uh, of presenting this, but I like the idea of for everything that you don't do, there's a negative effect. Like, mm-hmm. you guys didn't go after the orc-heavy infantry. I should have described, you know, you guys see the orc-heavy infantry cutting through the lines of the militia, just dozens of men falling, hewn in half from these massive bone weapons, you know, and like describing, like, you know, you guys took out the the, the siege weapons and you took out the bat riders, but the heavy infantry is there and they're, you know, still just slicing through the ranks, you know. So, I think that that is, a, is something to take into account, like you were saying, Barker, like if any of these things doesn't happen, it has very negative effects. And so mm. keeping in mind that, you know, uh, a, a battle is a series of combats, a series of encounters, and not every encounter is going to be a victory and not every encounter is going to be dealt with.
0: Yeah. And, and a good strategy to do that is uh, to really roll that into your game is to offer more encounters than there are players or yeah. take what what the the characters can feasibly handle and then add one more problem just so there's always something that kind of goes wrong especially near the beginning even if they're like just kicking ass the entire time there's always that one thing that's like oh man well we couldn't stop that but now we have to deal with the consequences of that um which will create i mean it's kind of like a helm's deep situation Mm. you know i love uh, you know lord of the rings arguably if you look at it through a, a a certain lens it's it's not a very good role-playing game we've i've mentioned that before on this podcast Mm. uh but you know the dm is controlling and playing gandalf and stuff like that but the uh the the inspiration that you can get from the combat and the fight the the massive battles in that in those movies Mm. is, is just phenomenal the you know helms deep is a great example of uh the the character's being able to handle something or choosing what things to handle yeah. you know Gimli and Legolas are going to handle the the battering ram at the gates um Aragorn's going to be leading the archers and handling the ladders uh and then all of a sudden what happens when they don't solve the problem of this you know, or can't solve the problem of this guy with you know detonating a bomb at the deeping yeah. wall you know yeah. that goes off and now you got a whole other bunch of issues to deal with yeah. so uh, that kind of flow chart like both of you recommended is a super good idea
1: yeah well and i i, I like the idea too of uh <clears throat> there's that um that led zeppelin song battle of evermore and there's a line in that it says the pain of war cannot exceed the woe of aftermath and like even if a battle is won like describing to your players just the you know the, there's never going to be a war without casualties there's never yeah. going to be a battle without some sort of sacrifice and so you know even if the battle is won you know describing the 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 burning buildings the this the devastation of these siege weapons or these spells that have gone off the people who have died maybe characters that they've seen you know and uh, i like one of the most one of the most potent, like powerful moments in that battle that i was talking about earlier is when tim described seeing the barmaid dead on the ground in the town mm-hmm. you know and it was like it was like, you know, a barmaid that you guys had interacted with very briefly, but she had a name and she had an appearance and she had a personality yeah. and she died as a result of the battle. And that right there was a very like tangible uh, way to say, like, hey, this this battle has had consequences. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. have died as a result of this battle.
0: <clears throat> I think taking advantage of narrative techniques mm-hmm. uh even if you if you're not doing that in your basic grid game, uh, gr- grid battle on a battle map or something, uh, mass combat is the place where you can really throw
2: that in, yeah. and it'll it'll only make the game better. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of uh, occasionally providing, um, uh, you know, just a, a good number of mooks for the uh, for the players. Um, mm-hmm. Because I mean, let's face it. in in a, in a in a war situation, you're gonna have a lot of people who are conscripted or uh, just don't really have the training. You know, maybe maybe they've received some basic military yeah. training, but they've never actually used it for anything. Because, you know, you keep in mind the adventurers have been out there. They've been doing stuff. That they they that's how they that's how they get good at what they do. You know, most of these are, are, are younger people who have, have never seen war before, perhaps. And so, you know, uh, they. You know they they come they come charging down the hill at you because they're ordered to, and you know you as a even a even a eighth level character can just slice through them like you know, like nothing, you know. So you can mm-hmm. just be taking them down left and right, and, and um, that can also be uh, create really cool scenes for you know for some of the characters too.
1: Yeah, two of my favorite techniques to use in mass combat are. Uh, minions and mm-hmm. hp pools and minions are yeah. that's an idea from fourth edition where if you hit it it's dead like you yeah. don't roll for damage you're just trying to hit their ac and one hit is enough to take them out and then the hp pool is like don't worry about you know how many there are don't say there's 24 goblins just say there's a mob of goblins yeah and have the players just describe you know the attack and then hacking through them. And it's possible that they might deal enough damage to take out two or three goblins. And so you just deduct all of that from a, from a pool of hit points rather than worrying about individual goblins. Yeah. Just look at a big, a big, you know, a hundred hit points worth of goblins or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, just to group them all together on a single character sheet
1: yeah exactly because that's like you know the players are not gonna be able to tell the difference and if you want if you want to spice it up you can have two different groups like two different hp pools this is the archers this is the melee guys or have one big group in an hp pool and then the general on his own with his own hp his own ac his own abilities and
0: stuff like that yeah um i'm scanning through the questions on our facebook page and realizing that I think it's going to be impossible for us to cover all of this and all the questions. <laughs> but uh, I, <laughs> the, the reason I love this subject so much is, and I probably should have said this at the beginning, but is because this is the thing that got me into role-playing games mm-hmm. is the idea of being able to <clears throat> participate in or run as a game master a battle because I love, like there was a, just a time and that time still exists where I just love doing this stuff. But, Matt, like you said at the beginning, it's terrifying. And it's so easy to screw it up and turn it into a game of medieval Total War or a game of kill 97 orcs uh, over the course of five hours. Right. Like real-time five hours. Um, So if someone came up to you, uh, you guys, and said, I am afraid of running a mass combat in my game, and you – were, uh, had to give them one tip, one piece of advice uh, to get them going.
2: What would that be? Um, probably keep it simple, like we already talked about. You know, don't don't yeah. don't don't try to make, you know, don't try to make a, a, a big a big war. Just make one little part of it that your character is going to be interacting with, and the rest, you know, just you know take care of it in description don't you don't have to worry about uh specific troop movements just worry about that area around the players right
1: yeah for me it's um worry about the narrative first Mm. don't make it about bookkeeping you know you don't want to be sitting there just rolling for every single creature keeping track of all these hit points and stuff allow your players to narrate things in a big battle like this because that's that's the kind of thing that they want to do in a battle is they want to they want to cut through five goblins trying to get to this commander let them do that like don't say oh you gotta you're gonna take attack of opportunity charging through all these goblins like no let them charge through and describe hacking off heads and limbs and stabbing goblins to get to this general that they're trying to run towards you know like uh let like the cool factor override any sort of sense of that you have of the rules especially in a mass combat worry less Definitely. about the finicky finickiness of it so
0: for yeah. sure and because a mass combat that's not going to be every session you run no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's, it's, maybe, like, it's like
1: a big event oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, I, I don't yeah. know
0: I, I'm saying that it might be you might be running the you know the uh, a campaign where people play Marines in the South Pacific yeah. in World War II, and every single uh <laughs> session is a different island campaign or something right. but uh, you know, for the most part, you're going to have a lot of things lead up to a battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually think that's uh, a, a good transition into the next part of this topic. Uh, war in a role-playing game in general. hmm And I... You know, there are a lot of questions here on the, on the Facebook page. And, and, and <laughs> I don't know how to answer a lot of them. Um, but one of them is, how do you represent the multiple perspectives in a war and not just make it seem black and white. How do you balance allegiances and different goals of the different major parties involved? And this makes me think kind of of, of the war that's taking place in your game, Matt, and how, for us, at least for our perspective currently, it's pretty black and white. You know, we got this mm-hmm. evil power marching on a city. You know, one of the character's daughters is there. You know, we I mean, this is an important place to defend, and, you know, we know who the enemy is. Have either of you ever experimented with a war that does not necessarily have clear sides?
2: Oh, certainly. I, in the my last campaign, uh, I think I mentioned this before in an episode, but for different reasons, but in any case, the um the war was against an empire that that hated like all magic, and so they were they were bent on wiping out everyone from elves to trolls, you know, anything that wasn't basically human. Um hmm. and uh so at one point the characters came upon a battlefield they were that they had to get across and they they were watching elves and hobgoblins fighting side by side against this you know this threat that was now descending upon them and uh that led to a, a whole bunch of other cool stuff like you know hobgoblins now being allowed to roam the city because now they're allies so you can't say no when they when they come back get back to the city to sort of you know a uh, little R and R that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so um yeah, I think having uh you know, especially if you have an outside enemy, then you can have a lot of strange alliances and and uh uh introduce new points of view certainly.
1: Well and I think I think too that you can you can do it in, in small ways too over the course of a battle, like hmm. you know, not, not every enemy that you come across in a battle is gonna be a, a slathering evil creature necessarily yeah. you know it, it you know it might be someone that looks afraid it might be someone that you know is kind of looking around confused or is clearly shell-shocked or uh you know you you, you rush up to an enemy and their their sword is rattling in their hand and they're just terrified yeah. and as you described this like i as a player if if a, if a dm described that to me i would i would hesitate yeah. i would falter i i would maybe say yeah you know i I leave him be, you know, or I, 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 I give him a nod and pass by him because clearly he's not supposed to be here. And you know, that kind of stuff is, it's just little, little simple ways that you can evoke that sort of like, you know, war sucks for everybody. It's like, you know, these people, these people aren't having fun here.
0: Yeah. Have a, maybe have someone on the enemy side call another person by their name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something as simple as a name can really like Matt said, give the characters some pause, like, wait, 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 wait. You're telling us we're killing real people here? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh,
2: And and I'm... Oh, go ahead, Alex. No, I was just going to say, and uh, you can have things uh, laying around after the battle, too, because uh, soldiers, you know, they tend to carry bits from home to remind them of of their home. So, you know, a Mm -hmm. small picture drawn by a child, you know, kind of hanging out of their pocket, or, you know... um, uh, a clearly, you know, piece of woman's woman's scarf, kind of tied around, you know, their wrist and uh, something like that. You know, th- those those little things, again, show that these people had home families that they left to come do this. Why yeah. are they here? Yeah, right. As somebody whose
0: homebrew world also is uh, is, in <laughs> infested with a war that's not black and white. Like there's a lot of gray area in it. I just want to come out and say that. A black and white type of uh, good versus evil type of conflict, uh, a battle in this case, is awesome. And I think that it's a mm. cliche for a reason. And I think it, uh, oftentimes, I fall into the pit of overcomplicating my campaign with nuance mm. to the point where, you know, nuance should always be nuance. You shouldn't expect the players to. Pick up on all of the different little gray areas, but but the enemy's afraid. But are they fighting for the right thing too? Are we fighting for the right thing? If you have too much of that, which is you know you should have some, but if you have too much of that, all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I don't even know what we're doing here anymore. Like, yeah, I can't make a, a educated choice in this world. So, uh, you know, as as fun as it might be to say, hey, you might be fighting against people who are also good you know after a while it can get kind of sluggish and change the the tone of the game to uh the players questioning their own morality instead of the characters doing so
1: well and i think that you can have you can have a pretty cut and dry sort of good versus evil battle and still have some little nuances in there like i mean in in the provokers campaign like Yes, the the barbarian horde from the from the marshlands, like you know, clearly they're reveling in this battle and they've they've chosen to do this. But like, after all is said and done, like they are far far away from their home and they, mm-hmm. you know, have are are sort of losing a war that they were sort of coerced into marching towards. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yep. I, I I that sort of forces me to think like what's their reaction going to be to this like how are they going to are they going to you know are they're not all going to be killed obviously so w- what's going to happen to these people who have marched away from their homes and left friends and family and the place that they knew on on it was effectively a promise that hey you know you're going to get all these all this land all this glory it's going to be great but then you know the war ends up not going the way they planned so what happens to those people and that's something that i have to think about as a as a as a dm but i mean that's a pretty cut and dry sort of war but i still it's still forcing me to think about it you know
2: Mm.
0: yeah i I think that's that's awesome and uh as a as a player i'm really excited to see what you come up with um do would any of your tips or advice any of you guys would, would they would it change if we're talking about a modern type of battle like let's uh like let's for instance jump to uh jump ahead in time a little bit and talk about World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever run mm-hmm. a game that had somewhat it's a it's a mass combat but you have somewhat modern weapons in it? And if if so, what was it? And if not, and if you were forced or pressed to to run a game right now, a uh, mass combat in that setting, you know, what would change in your bits of advice?
1: Hm. I'll uh, I'll quote Ron Perlman from Fallout and say, "War war never changes."
2: <laughs> That's Ron Perlman? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, no, I, I think Alex had a real answer. Please, go ahead.
2: No, it's all right. Well, no, I, I was just going to say that I think it, in, in in some ways it makes it easier because it's uh, modern wars, you know, are much bigger. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. spread out over, you know, entire, con- you know, regions and continents and so forth. Yeah. So, in the
0: ancient world, you know, an entire war could be won on a single battlefield.
2: Right, right. And so... Um, you know, like in a, in a well, you mentioned Saving Private Ryan. You know, at, at the very end, spoiler alert, they have to defend a bridge. You know that that was mm-hmm. that was what they ended up doing. That was the that was the adventure. <laughs> you know, it started yeah. at the, first they got the plot hook, go save Private Ryan, and then it turns into this this uh, final culmination. And so, you know, that's great. You you you've got you've got the war set up. You can you can have this adventure, and you don't have to worry about it affecting the war too much. You know, as far as you know worrying about well i don't I don't need to worry about what's going on in North Africa right now with with uh, with Patton, you know <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> not worried about it so um yeah, so in some ways it, it can be easier because everything is so much more spread out, it's a lot easier to give the the the, the player characters something f- more focused to do
0: yeah and and it could also be easier. Uh, because uh, you you start to see these things that your your setting is about, right? Your World War mm-hmm. II, for instance, like these things are written about. Like we yeah. know a lot about World War II and how World War II was fought in, on either side and strategies and tactics and cities and things like that. When you're talking about medieval sword fighting, I mean there are people still arguing about how exactly armored people used swords. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they're basing their arguments off of two-dimensional drawings. You know, and so mm-hmm. it's really, you know, it's a it, there's a lot of knowledge in current settings. So, you know, they say, you know, you should do what you know and or run what you know. And you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to know something if it's happened more recently than, you know, the dark ages. Yeah. Yep. True enough. But I think you know, ultimately, like you, you're talking about, Alex, it, it it's easier, and I think the tips don't change the advice doesn't change it's yeah you still keep it to like even saving private ryan the scene where they're defending the bridge those are there are multiple objectives in that bridge defense that all these people have to accomplish in order to win the battle and you know same thing goes for what we were talking about before
1: yeah well and that that movie is a great example of how you do like encounters in a battle because even in the opening scene you know when they're storming the beach yeah it's like they're very clear like okay we got to take out this machine gun nest we got to go to this bunker like they don't worry about the entire battle it's just this one squad of guys on the beach doing their objectives you know and that's that's perfect like that's how you do it
0: and and one thing they do you know and they do this in helms deep too is they'll zoom in right and yeah. and you're having the characters, you know, solve this one issue and roll their dice and stuff, and then they'll zoom out and show you the entire battlefield, right. and yeah. take that moment as a GM, and use that narrative and describe the entire battle as it's going, and then zoom back into this one tiny mission that
2: the players are involved with, just to keep exactly. that battleground environment behind them. Yep. Yeah, there was a really good sci-fi take on the uh, on the the, uh, the Normandy invasion. Uh, the what was it uh edge of tomorrow with yes uh, oh, I've not seen it oh, I haven't seen it oh, so Please. good it, it, it's a lot better than it has a right to be such um, an awesome movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's way too good <laughs> yeah what do you mean by that it's a lot better than it has a right well, to be it it's it, it got, it got really poor publicity um it, it it's just, a, it's just, a
1: fairly silly concept but it's just they do it so well they just they super pull it off
2: yeah. Okay. It, cool. It, it's it's, yeah. It's fantastic. And 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 especially the alien creatures and everything. It's just. Uh, but anyway, it, that that they really captured the whole, you know, uh, storming the beach at Normandy thing with the sci-fi aspect to it, and it was just really yeah. well
1: done. Really cool battle oh. scene.
2: Yeah.
0: Scenes. Well, I I gotta check it out then.
1: You do. It's Groundhog Day with. Mechanical exosuits—it's awesome. That's <laughs> what I've heard.
0: Yeah, this has very little to do with anything, but one of my favorite battle scenes is in the movie Surrogates, which is also, a, I think, a great movie, and uh, you should see it. But the there are these—they use mechanized soldiers, mm-hmm. and one of these soldiers dies, gets shot, and you know falls to the ground, and then it flashes to the base where the soldier actually is and he pulls out of his video game pod and says alright I need another suit and the guy's like those are expensive don't do that again and it's like this <laughs> the war is being fought like an Ender's Game style video yeah. game first yeah. person shooter and I, cool. I just I, yeah I love that scene that's a fun little thing to throw into your game but um, do you guys have anything else to add before we take a question you know I think it's interesting this is one of the things where we all kind of uh, not only agree on it but we all have the same advice to give about mass combat
2: yeah well, well i have been thinking of a lot of tangents to go on which i'm desperately trying not to like yeah. you know <laughs> sea combat and things like that it's like, no no focus well you know a sea battle
0: you know is that how would would your advice change with a sea battle
2: yeah well, yeah
0: oh because, hit it up man come on
2: well well, because i mean with 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 sea battle you're you're basically on a moving platform that is um, presumably in combat with another moving platform, and so it's it's almost like a combination between you've got two battles and a chase going on, basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, y- you know, think of it like that, and then of course, if, if depending on how many ships there are, it can be really complicated. Um, but yeah, it it definitely adds an extra uh, dimension of mass movement to it which can, you know, make your make it a little more complicated. You could still do the you could still doing the, the outline and the flowchart and all that kind of thing and it was, and it could still work. But now now you have to think in terms of like consider your ship kinda of like a zone, you know. And so alright, this is what's going on in this zone here. Now I suppose that could be easy for setting up, you know, characters to do certain things like uh, okay, you have to get onto that ship and stop it because that has you know whatever MacGuffin on it that you need to get so okay mm-hmm. so we, we need to get that ship then then all the stuff that's going around doesn't matter as much and then you can kind of just paint it with broad broad strokes
0: oh that's a you know that's a really good point I like your your way of defining it as different zones I'm planning a one shot right now that's gonna take place in an airship <clears throat> battle like oh, just nice. a massive naval battle in the sky Dude, and yeah. uh, what I what I'm gonna do I'm so stoked about this is give the players their own ship mm-hmm and then have them kind of determine, you know, use that flowchart, determine what things to solve, uh, what, what ships, what zones, quote unquote, to, to destroy or board or, you know, take mm-hmm. care of, uh, over others. So I, I love that idea of, you know, one ship being, you know, having something different going on than another ship. Maybe it has different weaponry, different types of people, different purpose, the MacGuffin, something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, um, uh, still like before giving the players the choice yeah
1: yeah awesome, awesome I, man. I love that <clears throat> and i just i just want to before we take a question i just want to say that, like mass combat and big battles is something that like that i struggle with still and i don't quite have a handle on the way that i like to do it and so i'm intentionally creating big battles so that i can get better at it you know i'm 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 creating situations where i have to run a big battle even if i don't feel totally comfortable doing it and so it is one of those things that like uh don't don't get dismayed if you run a big battle and it feels too chaotic or it feels too structured or it feels like the the pcs win too easily or they or they lose too quickly like don't get discouraged you will find the way that you like to run a big battle like that and it just takes practice to do
0: yeah, yep. for sure. And, you know, you're, use your gut instinct a little bit, too. If, if you feel yeah. like it's a little too structured, let the reins a little loose. You know, if you feel mm-hmm, like yeah. it's a little too chaotic, pick two things to focus on and let the players, you know, only really see those two things as things to take care of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and work your way up, too. Don't, you don't have to start with, you know, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. You can start with, you know, a, a siege of, you know, 50 orcs and a small keep you know start yeah. start start yeah. tiny you know and and and, and exactly. you know get get you get your legs and then then build up to the big the big uh battles
0: that'd be a cool yeah. idea for a campaign you know session one 50 orcs storming a keep and you're defending it uh and then and then you know session two you or at the end of session one you figure out why they were storming it and you're part thrust into this adventure and you follow the adventure through until the finale in which you have 5,000 orcs storming a, <laughs> you know, a, a keep with, a larger keep with a larger yeah. defending force, something like that. Right. And yeah. you know, now you, that'd be a cool little finale, a cool little campaign. Yeah, man. Uh, so, we'll take a question now yeah. <clears throat> at, uh, we have our a Facebook page. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew that. I talk about it occasionally, uh, here on Roll <laughs> Up and Die. Uh, it is at facebook.com slash Up and die. Uh, we are, uh, the only podcast at that website that i just gave you uh you won't find any other podcasts that have to do with a delicious candy element (laughs) that uh, (laughs) often has pop-out shapes uh but yeah uh (laughs) and we take a question every week uh we'll post up our topic you ask your questions and the question with the most likes uh as facebook calls them uh we'll get the we'll get the answer so this question is a little strange because it actually has to do with war in general and not necessarily mass combat but i think that's all right it's a little change of pace and i think we've covered mass combat so i, I will read this right now
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: da, 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 da. all right the question is this and it's from bradlin w and she asks if this is a war that only has two or three warring parties what are some ways to go about introducing your characters to each faction without it feeling like an episode of love connection? <laughs> so i'm gonna need to ask a question first because uh and everyone take your drink. I feel like I've seen love connection, but I don't know what it is uh,
2: I'm,
1: w- I'm uh, so with you there I don't
2: know it either so was <laughs> oh okay was,
1: was love connection wait.
2: Oh, crap. I I'm feel Googling like
1: Love it. Love Connection is from something else.
0: Love uh, Connection is. Okay. Is that kind from of a cartoon? No. Love Connection is a TV show oh, where okay. you have. I think you have like the three people in the back room and the one. Yes, you do. Is it like you door have,
1: number one, door number two type thing? Yeah,
0: and you get to ask questions oh, like, if I were a right. tomato, how would yeah. you juice me or some okay. shit like that? Yep, yep. So I've never had. A... Now I have to figure out what the question means. Uh, I think if it's this saying is... like,
1: like meet your bachelors. Here's the orcs from the forest, the kobolds from underneath right. the ground, and the men of the and the men of the uh, of the lumber mill here, all <laughs> fighting for your attention. It's the love connection.
0: If I were a sword, how would you, how would you sheath me? You know? <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh man! <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna have to guess <laughs> guess our way through this. Okay, so yeah. what are some ways you would go about introducing your characters to each faction uh, without it, I don't know, feeling dumb? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I, I, so I, I, on a on a broad spectrum, not just the mass
2: combat. Uh, how do you mm. guys do this? Well, presumably, you, well. I guess it depends on how long you've been playing playing the campaign for. If it's a, uh, uh, it, ideally, if 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 you've been playing this campaign for a while, then you would have built up to this point by, you know, them putting out little little brush fires here and there. You know, the uh, yeah. the orcs are moving into Kobal's territory to use uh, to use Matt's uh, uh, established. Um, Canon here, Um, so (laughs) you know. So the orcs are moving into the kobolds' territory, and so maybe they've gone on a bunch of adventures already to deal with you know things that have resulted from that. So that I you know they could have met those factions presumably long before, and of course their patron, whoever's hiring them, is probably the one behind the third faction. Uh, Another good Mm -hmm. way to do it is if you're starting them (laughs) at the beginning or just kind of throwing them into, into a situation. Um, uh, there, there. A lot of times that uh, you know, various armies will will try and negotiate uh, for better position. Uh, uh, you know, as you know, for you know, whatever's happening, and so they they could meet in, in a neutral tent and and all you know sort of voice their um, uh, their issues. You know. Uh, you have been on our yeah. land. Get off now. You know that, that kind of thing, and so yeah. maybe maybe the the part the characters are, you know, privy to that, um, yeah. which could be a good before one. a lot of
0: what's that famous little scene where before the battle the riders go out almost like they're the captains yeah. of their football teams. All yeah. right, let's flip this coin now. Let's talk right. about you know <laughs> we don't have to fight you know but yeah. you know you never see a movie end with oh, okay, all right, well, later, and then they leave.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Maybe have the players write out or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, that's a little more forced, but, you know, you could still be done. Uh, like I said, my, my ideal situation would be to build up to it by having them, you know, go on adventures that related to this ultimate, you know, combat.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think definitely. W- w- one thing you can do is, you know, take out a piece of paper, uh, you know, before the campaign or you know during the campaign depending on where you are and write down three different things that are morally important to you Mm -hmm. and and probably morally important to your players all right uh the first one would be you know children are not harmed Mm -hmm. Uh, the second one would be you know peace on earth and the third one would be you know something else that's morally good and make three factions and each one of those factions wholeheartedly represents one of those moral issues. Mm-hmm. Like we are here to ensure that there's peace on earth. You know, like yeah. <clears throat> if you want to really add that nuance and that that uh color to your game then make it so no, you know, to go against what I said earlier, make it so no one is a direct bad guy yeah. and that everything mm-hmm. is kind of colored in that way uh, in that nuanced fashion so that the players kind of have to second guess things, or mm-hmm. uh, m- m- instead of making a decision about which side to be on, you know, maybe they have to do that and try to stop the war as a whole because there
2: is there's no right side, but they're all the wrong side, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I suppose another thing you could do would be to have your your players, uh, your player characters rather, um, have to go into you know, the opposing army's encampments. And uh, to get information, let's say, you know, they have to get in and out without killing anyone and maybe they have to gather, you know, information for their army. And so that would give Mm -hmm. them enough time to sort of mingle as one of them in disguise and, you know, make great opportunities for, you know, sitting around the fire with the enemy and talking to them, you know, with uh, with them thinking that you're one of them, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. just
0: going to throw one thing out there before I let you talk, Matt, <laughs> but <laughs> in the winds of in the winds of Sursaline game, I've, I've stumbled across a strategy that I didn't aim for at the beginning, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of going to take it and run with it is that there are a lot of countries, uh, you know, probably, you know, about five or six countries in the world of Enkea, my homebrew world. And there's one big island at the north called Sursaline, and that's where the campaign is taking place. But this island is it's almost like a colonial place. All the countries on the mainland are have their presence on this island. And so I'm not introducing the characters to those countries, hmm. but I still am through their colonial people, through the occasional person that they run into that say, "Yeah, yeah I'm from the Darrauis initiative, you know, oh, you know, and then they talk to them mm-hmm. and learn more about Darrauis without having to travel the entire world to that country so yeah
1: yeah, that's really smart
0: yeah well and i that was i wish i could say i did it on purpose but i'm doing it from (laughs) now on on purpose well matt do you have any uh other advice or answer to that question about love connection
1: (laughs) uh, door number two please no uh (laughs) i would say that um you know you guys you guys pretty much uh laid it out but i would say that you know uh, i would i'm like i'm with alex like a build-up is always nice like having the players encounter the different factions beforehand and maybe even doing battle with them you know it, it's always kind of cool if it's like they do battle with this particular tribe of orcs you know they maybe take on five or six of them and then you know they have another run in with them and then eventually it's like oh wow there's hundreds of them now like this is a huge battle yeah. and look at all these orcs you know so it's kind of a cool it has it has more of an uh, impact i feel uh, mm-hmm. if you, yeah. you kind of lead up to it like that so yeah
0: you could even do something like you know have the the players fight alongside a, an, the orcs because they you know they're both under the attack from the same enemy force in the woods and they they never met beforehand and they fight together just this once and they don't fight each other they say okay thanks for helping us win this fight and uh you know we'll see you around or something like that you know they show respect to yeah. each other and then later in the campaign they have to fight against these same orcs and it's like right. oh you know yeah that's yeah. kind of a a game changer
1: and the orc's like, it doesn't have to be like this. And you're like, <laughs> yes, it, yes, it does. It was always going to go down like this way.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you always knew it would end up like this.
2: <laughs> I love you. What? You are my brother. <laughs> Whatever may occur, I will find you. Stay alive. What? I've never met you. What?
1: Love <laughs> connection, seeing. you know. Stop saying that. You were bachelor number three. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> oh man! Uh, let's make a mass combat encounter.
1: Yeah, let's do awesome
0: it. for an idea you can steal. So Matt, the master of the uh, the D twelve D six.
1: Yes, and I'm I'm excited because I have a new dice tray that I'm rolling in tonight. So
0: I'm Ooh, about
1: that. I uh, got a uh, spell book gaming box from uh, Elderwood Gaming Boxes, and it's mm. it looks like a spell book, but you open it up and it's a dice tray inside <clears throat> with storage, and it has a, a piece of titanium uh, that you can write on with a dry erase to keep track of initiative and HP and stuff like that. It's that's nice. Oh, that's gorgeous. So killer. Yeah, so I'm going to roll into it. Here we go. Okay, 1 to 2 is Barker, 3 to 4 is Alex, 5 to 6 is me. Oh, it rolled out of the tray. I I
0: was going to say, man, that tray (laughs) is loud. There we go. That tray sounds exactly like your desk.
1: So that's 3 to 4, so that's Alex. So that's a 4. There we go. Okay.
2: All right, so uh, uh, I'll use an old trope I remember, which is the, uh, uh, the party has been summoned... By a uh, an old friend of theirs, um, he was uh, mentor to one of the uh, um, uh, to someone in the party. In fact, is a, a priest at a uh, monastery, and uh, uh, it, you just get this this kind of frantic uh, message for help, and uh, uh, and of course you you can't refuse because it's this is someone who has been like a father to. Uh, uh, to many of you and so uh, you have to go
1: Alright,
0: okay. and this is a one Great. shot so we only have a certain number amount of time so you yep. can't refuse that's i right. prepared this
1: <laughs> Alright,
0: okay. cool, I like it
1: <clears throat> Alright, here we go, so, uh, 1 to 3 is Barker 4 to 6 is me Oh, that's beautiful, okay, that's a 5 Okay, um, so I'm going to say that um, the the battle that is happening is actually uh, a person who is returning to their homeland to claim uh, a birthright of theirs. So the person who is who has summoned you um, is you sort of start to realize that eh, maybe this person that's battling them has a bit of a... Yeah, they have a bit of a claim to this and it could be uh, some sort of relic. It could be a plot of land, but essentially they're, they're coming back like Robin hood style to basically reclaim uh, what has been taken from them. Awesome. Nice. This is one through six is Barker. Okay. That's a one. So that is, hang on. Let me check. I wrote it down on that's your titanium Barker. dry erase. <laughs> yeah, that is, let's see here. One through six. That's Barker.
0: Okay, cool. He has the Excel spreadsheet up. He's just yep cross-connecting <laughs> all the, the cells or whatever. I have means. a
1: really complex algorithm that happens every time we roll here on Roll Up and Die.
0: Yeah, that's we- good. It's, rolling is in our name, and He's I yelling. feel like it's important <laughs> to take that <laughs> we seriously. We've got to live up to it. we got to live up to it. <laughs> yeah. We spend no expense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that this, uh, this battle uh, is possibly seen as something that's going to start a war. And uh, a war over a throne, almost like the, uh, uh, the War of Spanish su- uh, Succession mm-hmm. where, you know, a ruler dies and everyone's like, hey, I have a claim to that throne. Hey, me too. Oh, so do <laughs> I. And then all of a sudden everyone's after it and then, you know, a big war begins. And so, uh, you know, I, I like the idea that multiple parties are involved uh, in that sort of way. I do think, though, that now we should go around one more time and describe the battle and battlefield itself.
1: I think you're right. All Let right. me roll again. <clears throat> Ooh, same numbers as last time. All right, four. So that is Alex again.
2: All right, hey. all right. So this monastery is located uh, 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 kind of, kind of up in the foothills of this of this mountain range, and it, and it's up on this you know kind of pillar of rock with this uh, road that sort of winds up to it. And uh, uh, when the when the players got there, they found out that the um, uh, that you know, as as you were saying, Barker, the the the, the, the perhaps the sovereign has died, and so uh, there are many who believe that they have the right to take this take the uh, throne, but the crown is kept at the monastery, and they need that mm-hmm. to to become to become king, and so um, as 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 the uh, PCs are sort of made aware of this, and they walk out on walk out onto the. Uh, um the wall of the monastery and they see from several different directions these large armies with different colored banners all heading toward the uh uh the monastery to uh take to take their birthright nice
1: that's awesome man okay here we go that's a three so that is barker
0: is that me okay i I thought that oh yeah okay one through three sorry Check your algorithm at the door. Uh, So uh, I like the idea of the monastery being a naturally defensive position. Like it's kind of like a beacon. I'm thinking something like Edoras in Lord of of the Rings. You know, it's on this hill, one road up to it. Uh, But I'm going to add something very simple to it uh, that I think is uh, still equally important. I'm going to say that it's snowing. It's midwinter and there's snow on the ground Mm, and snow is falling to create that environmental factor for the battle
1: nice okay here we go that's
0: that's mine that's it
1: that's a 5 so that's me okay so i'm going to say that this monastery um hasn't always been a monastery it was actually a a great fortress at one time centuries ago and the you know the pcs are sort of frantically you know what do we do how do we defend the monastery and the head monk, you know, maybe the one who summoned you there is (laughs) like, well, this didn't always used to be a monastery. Um, There's some some pretty advanced sort of uh, defensive mechanisms in the bowels of this place, and, you know, I I imagine, you know, different sorts of uh, siege weaponry and defensive things like, you know, creating a rock slide for one army that's marching up the hill, and a bunch of murder holes, like, around the side where you can fire out javelins and arrows and things like that, and sort of uh, giving the players a bunch of Uh, sort of options for things that they can do to sort of Mm. sabotage this army and the inspiration for this is uh the movie willow the scene where Mm. they get to that uh the the old castle that's overrun with trolls and mad martigan like sets up a (laughs) bunch of traps and like has crossbows everywhere and like you know just all that kind of stuff so i i I would love something like that where the where the pcs have you know okay you guys have an hour before the army gets here you know what are you gonna do to prepare and uh have them be able to set up the defenses and stuff and I think that would
2: be really cool. Oh hey, I, I have another uh, uh, another option too for that um, awesome. that I, I want to throw in, and um, uh, so rather than have maybe you know maybe the monastery used to be a fortress like you were saying, but rather than have all the you know these these siege things, maybe uh, part of the this this particular monastery's operation is it's kind of like a prison, and mm. uh, and so. Uh, Down in the bowels of this place, they have prisoners, many of whom you put here because you've been helping to, um, you know, to to clean up the roads from bandits for quite a long time now. It's how you got to the level you're at. (laughs) So now you have to go downstairs and and ask these, you know, 40, 50 men to 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 basically help defend this place. I love that.
0: That's great. The (laughs) monastery is called uh, Arkham is the name of the (laughs) monastery. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Nice.
0: All right, cool, awesome. And uh, I think that is, I think two rounds is enough for that idea you can steal. But if you do steal it, you know, do something that a lot of people haven't done before and uh, let us know how it works for you. You know, I haven't seen, no, we we do a lot of ideas you can steal, 43 to be exact, I believe. And so (laughs) hit us up on the Facebook page. Let us know what you do, how it works for you, what you changed in any of those ideas. and uh
2: i'm excited to, to read some of what people say absolutely well betty ed if you play online then uh, send us a link and we'll we'll watch it
1: <laughs> yeah
2: and
0: uh before we sign off for those drinking game uh ga- drinking gamers out there um go ahead and take a drink because i have not seen willow oh, uh, to the point where i remember it i think maybe i saw it when i was really young but i can't remember much awesome movie okay
1: it's it's yeah. it's i love willow one yeah. of my favorites uh, before before we sign off here I actually want to I, I want to give a little bit of a plug here. Alex you just released a new supplement through Critical Hit Publishing and it's another cinematic environs and it's mountains this time around. That's right. Yeah we just did mountains yeah. today. And um, I'm super excited to read through that.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah it just uh, I just finished it Finished it. well. It just came back from the last round of editing today and, uh, and so yeah it was uh, I was really excited to put that out. Um, I'm hoping we can get Uh, uh, the battlefield environs out there pretty soon too that's uh, uh, tying in with what we're doing here but um, yeah uh, uh, DeBay is working on that pretty much right now I think Uh, also aerial I think he's almost done with so yeah
0: Oh, nice one of the things that I really like to do is uh, take a a binder and throw in just a like all the raging swan press stuff I have in a Mm -hmm. binder which I call kind of my sandbox binder, my inspiration binder. And I'm going to I'm going to do the exact same thing with the cinematic environs because uh, that's a super cool idea for a product uh, uh for a, a, a supplement and I'm going to you know keep releasing them as quickly as possible and I'll fill this binder <laughs> up because I'm 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 super excited about it.
1: Yeah, that's great, man.
0: Well, thank you. So yeah, Check it out on Drive-Thru RPG Critical Hit Publishing, and uh, once again at AbsoluteTabletop.com. Now uh, you can get Be a Better Battle Master uh, if you for one dollar if you type in the coupon code RUAD, which <laughs> I hope Tim and James don't kill me for that, man. That was a
1: <laughs> spur of I'm the moment. I'm sure they won't. You, you know Tim will. Tim will just eat that up. He'll be like, "Oh, dude, yeah, that's rad."
0: Yeah, he will. He will. And see, Tim, if you're listening, we already said you'd say that, so
1: okay. yep, you'd be Can't cool. Go back it. on it.
0: Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, your war-torn RPG podcast. (laughs) My name is Barker.
1: And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice.
2: And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And may your wars be fought hot and ready.
0: (laughs) Uh... This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on Drive through RPG, Via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com, slash Roll Up and Die, iTunes, and rollupanddie.podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy
1: gaming.